Hello and welcome back to Say It Again, the Soda 2 podcast where we think back about the day, we review the most important things, and we get ready for tomorrow. We had the very first flakes, the very first signs of snow, of winter. Yes, indeed, this winter thing is going to happen again for real this time. And in Wisconsin, we had our first flurries this afternoon. Nothing stuck but a sign that uh, summer is definitely over and fall will not last forever. Today is October the 30th, 2019, and this is episode 30. During block one today, so from about 8.30 until 9.30, students had a chance to go further with their learning and their understanding of water as a molecule. Uh, we had the second day of uh, our student teacher, Miss Webb's three-day lesson plan that she has created. She's, uh, she's doing uh, for credit for her class, for her own training, and our students are getting to participate in and try out. So today, students had the chance to actually construct the molecules Molecules are, of course, a little bit too small to see. Actually, they're a lot too small to see. There's no microscope that we could bring into our classroom to give students direct access to them. And so it's very important to give an experience, something to make a molecule less abstract. Otherwise, it's a very far away and difficult to get to concept. And today, the magic answer was marshmallows. Miss Webb had students create water molecules out of toothpicks and marshmallows, small green ones to represent the hydrogen atoms with a positive charge and larger white ones, or I should say medium-sized white ones, to represent the oxygen atoms with a negative charge. And students had a great deal of fun, though there was some consternation. It's tough. It's tough when you put marshmallows in front of middle schoolers and tell them, no, no, you can't eat that, especially around Halloween time. And I was very impressed. I was very pleased with our students' sense of self-control. There were a couple of marshmallows eaten in the first minute, but for the most part, students maintained their scientific composure held it together nicely, constructed their molecules, and did a great job documenting which parts of the molecule would have a positive and a negative charge. A hydrogen atom is composed, of course, of one proton positively charged in the nucleus and one neutron with no charge in the nucleus, and those are orbited by one electron. Now, electrons come in layers or shells. They're, they're called valence shells. And a hydrogen atom would like nothing better than to have two electrons in its valence shell, even though that would give it a negative charge. All atoms on the periodic table would like to have two electrons to complete their inner valence shell or their inner valence ring. And so 
hydrogen is particularly well primed either to give up its one electron or to seek out another one. It is ready to share. And this makes hydrogen a ready source of energy in organic chemistry. Oxygen, on the other hand, has eight protons in its nucleus. And depending on the type of oxygen, it might also have eight neutrons and it should have eight electrons round the outside. That means two on the inner ring, six on the outer ring, and the second valence shell, the outer ring for oxygen, really wants to have eight. And so oxygen, just like hydrogen, is seeking some electrons, either giving up or taking on. And because oxygen has six of the eight that it needs, it's in the part of the periodic table where elements would really like to take electrons. Hydrogen in the upper left-hand corner is in the portion of the periodic table of elements that would really like to give up electrons. We call them electron donors. And so hydrogen and oxygen make for a very good pairing. Two hydrogens happily give up their electrons. One oxygen happily takes on two electrons and the hydrogen nuclei hang out to either side. But it's not a perfect match. The oxygen atom having taken on some extra electron charge ends up being a little bit negative and the hydrogens having given up some electron charge end up being just a little bit positive and so water molecules h2 two hydrogens o have polarization right uh, the hydrogen ends of the molecule tend to be a little bit more positive and the oxygen middle tends to be a little bit more negative and just as opposites attract and magnetic forces can act at a distance, right? You, you may have seen a magnet push another magnet across a table or pull another magnet without ever touching it. Action at a distance. Because of these charges, water molecules are forever making and breaking weak hydrogen bonds. They're so interested in each other, but then they get disorganized or rearranged anytime a little extra energy comes into the equation. And we'll see this tomorrow and next week when we look more deeply at how the molecules line up to make liquid water and why liquid water is so much different than solid water, right? Most materials in the universe get heavier, they get more dense when they turn from liquid to solid. And so you would expect them to sink. For example, solid iron would sink in a crucible of liquid iron. It would go right to the bottom because the solid iron is more dense and the liquid iron is less dense. But water does the opposite. When water freezes, it becomes less dense. It gets bigger and it floats to the surface. And the secret 
to why this happens is built into the geometry of the molecule. We're so interested, we're so excited to discover the answer to this question of why it is that snowflakes have six sides and why it is that ice should sink, but it doesn't, it floats. We'll do a little bit more with water tomorrow before we head off on our field trip to the Minnesota Marine Art Museum and investigate water from a creative perspective. More on that to come. Perhaps we'll even have a chance to do our podcast recording live from Winona. We'll have to see tomorrow. You might know that one of the interesting qualities of hydrogen is that it is lighter than the air that we breathe. Hydrogen tends to rise in our atmosphere very, very quickly, and so it is an essential component in balloons. Hot air also rises when it's next to cold air, and so uh, hot air balloons also tend to rise. Here's a poem for today, a chance for us to think a little bit differently. Uh, a poem by Chris Harris and Lane Smith called Cold Air Balloon. Let's grind through the earth in our cold air balloon, on down through the ground in our magic cocoon. We'll burrow like gophers, we'll sink like a stone, and we'll gaze at the world up above us and moan. We'll sob in the darkness, we'll cry in the cold at the slugs and the bugs and the slime and the mold as worms wiggle by us in worlds anaerobic we'll weep and we'll whimper and we'll feel claustrophobic and just when we're at our most frightened and nervous right then we'll ascend to the heavenly surface we'll soak in the sunlight we'll breathe in the air and we'll jump up and down and around without care and thanks to our flight in that horrid balloon for the rest of our lives, we'll feel high as the moon. During block two today, students had a chance once again to rehearse our play, Young Sherlock. We're getting ready for our show coming up. And as we have been doing, uh, we sometimes rehearse in a variety of different spaces. This helps us get ready for the different performance spaces that we will encounter over the next few weeks. Today we rehearsed in my classroom, but we've also tried out the auditorium on the stage. We've tried the library, we've tried the cafeteria. And tomorrow on our way up to Winona, we will rehearse on the bus. The props are ready, the scenery's almost there, the costumes are organized in bags. The biggest piece that actors are working on right now is remembering their lines and saying them in character. And the more that they can do that, the easier it is to tell the story and to make the jokes funny and the scary parts scary and the suspenseful parts suspenseful, so on and so forth. We're getting there, but it's really going to help when students truly know all of their lines and say them with confidence. And so 
We're going to continue rehearsing even tomorrow on the bus when we won't have our scenery or our props or our costume or even a proper performance space. But by sitting in one section of the bus together, we will have a read-through or a speak-through of the play and we'll practice those lines and the timing. Things are coming along nicely. Actually, one of the one of the best parts of this play production process is the point at which the actors, the students, really start to take over the show as their own. And we're getting very, very close to all of our actors feeling confident and ready and really owning the story themselves. Looking forward to that. We'll let you know more tomorrow as we travel and explore and experience some art about water. That's all I have for you this evening. So make sure to get a good night's sleep and ask lots of questions. We'll see you tomorrow. This portion of our program has been brought to you by the International Association of Physicists. That's right. The International Association of Physicists would like to remind you that during this cold and dark time of the year when you might be feeling down or entertaining some negative thoughts, you should always think like a proton. Stay positive.